Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brock. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome in to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. We're sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. We are here till 9 o'clock this evening. We're open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can tweet at us on Twitter. We'll get back to you throughout the show. A hot one, Abdallah. Hot one. Here we come. Man, it's a hot one. The Cubs win today 6-5 to five over the Padres. The White Sox and the Rays are currently playing. And we're under a week till training camp for the Chicago Bears and the National Football League. Teams are reporting. It's a good time of year, and uh, we will talk football in the 8 o'clock hour. We will talk with Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report in the Stick to Football podcast on iTunes at 8 o'clock. And at 8.30, we'll talk with Charles McDonald from SB Nation, NFL writer. Lots of good football conversation to come, and especially in about 15 minutes, we'll get some more football conversation for you, Abdallah. But we will have the 8 o'clock hour loaded with football conversation. I also have something on the Bulls before we're done here in the 7 o'clock hour, but let's start with the Chicago Cubs, a big win, 6-5 to five today at Wrigley. Like seven inches from the midday sun, Chris. That's how hot it is. Yeah, but yes, the Cubs win uh, their sixth game since the uh, All-Star break ended. They are now 6-1 and one since the break and uh, runs aplenty uh, up at uh, up at Wrigley today. John Lester with a strong in- uh, strong outing, six innings, 12 hits, four earned runs. He struck out six, gave up one home run, and then the bats came through for the Cubs with Javi Baez hitting a home run and Anthony Rizzo hitting a grand slam that kind of brought the Cubs back early in that game. Yeah, it was the bottom of the third, 3-0 uh, Padres with the lead, and then Anthony Rizzo at the dish. Two-out opportunity here with the bases loaded for Rizzo. And then hit a ball out of the infield this entire inning. Until now, it's deep. And it is gone. Cuts lead on the grand slam by Rizzo. So there you have it. Anthony Rizzo grand slam. The Cubs went up 4-3, to three and they hold on to win today. 6-5, to five, some sloppy baseball all the way around. That was Lennon J.D. on NBC Sports Chicago. That's where you could see the game. But, you know, the one thing that i look at is john lester he was good in a tough situation really hot out there felt like over 100 degrees on the mound and john lester's a sweater as we've we've heard many people talk about today Uh, the sweater yes he uh he was sweating out there but he battled through gave the cubs what they needed and the bullpen held on and then the cubs win six to five how about anthony rizzo hitting that home run his 20th on the year 
Last year, Chris, his 20th home run came on August 22nd. This is almost a full month earlier for his 20 home runs. I know a lot of people have 20 home runs. It's, it's baseball this year. A lot of people have 20 home runs. But just how much better Anthony Rizzo is playing baseball this year than he did last year. He's clearly a better player and one of the best players, if not the best player, on the Cubs so far this year. Well, you know, the, the problem when you look at what took place for Anthony Rizzo last season, it was the start. He had such a bad start to the season, he could never mm-hmm. recoup what he did. He was good for large portions of last season. The difference for this year, though, with Anthony Rizzo was from the start, he was decent and then good, and he's been st- staying pretty steady since then, and he didn't have uh, what he had at the start of last season. Uh, Sarah Langs, one of our friends uh, who works for MLB.com, she tweeted this, Anthony Rizzo has reached... 20 home runs for the seventh straight season with the Chicago Cubs. That's the fifth longest streak in franchise history. Here are the consecutive 20 home run seasons in Cubs history. Billy Williams leads with 13. Sammy Sosa had 12. Ron Santo with 9. Ernie Banks with 8. And Anthony Rizzo with 7. That's good company. Good company for Anthony Rizzo. And much needed today when the Cubs were down 3 nothing, and he could put them up 4-3. to three. Ultimately, they would surrender that lead, and then Javi Baez would take them up a run, and then Pedro Strope came in, surrendered that lead, and then a few costly errors by the Padres, who have had error problems so far uh, since the All-Star break, and the Cubs took advantage of it and get a win and start this series off right against the Padres. Joe Madden, after the game, got a chance to talk to the media. If you're just getting into your car, you're starting your weekend, you just got off work, you didn't hear Joe Madden. Here he is after the game. The Cubs win it 6-5. to five. Here's Joe Madden's postgame. Joe, obviously it was hot today, probably even hotter tomorrow. How does that have an effect on a baseball game in general? Did you watch that? <laughs> Looking for your answer. <laughs> oh my God. Um, everybody was melting. I, it, was, it, it was scorching hot. Uh, they came up from Miami. We had a day off, so we don't have that in our back pocket. Um, uh, give Johnny Lester some credit for hanging in there, man. I mean, that big strikeout on Machado. Um, C-Sheck, same thing. I mean, of course, Stropey, home run, but then hung in there. Um, so the pitching really hung in there well. We just uh, we made a lot of mistakes, obviously. It was a very sloppy game from both sides. I can't defend that. Um, it was extraordinarily hot. It was, and that, that could impact concentration. But uh, nobody there is going to make an excuse. I'm just telling you what I saw today. It was pretty firm out there. Really, what can you say about Lester? That's really a gutty effort out there. He sweat profusely and all these other things going on around him. Yeah, I mean, and they had they kept pitting balls that we just couldn't get to. It was um, that early on the ball hitting second base bag, uh, ground balls up the middle. We were playing kind of like with a little pocket that got between Javi and Addison early on in the game. Um, I thought Johnny battled extremely well. Um, got, got hit in the foot with the line drive. Uh, there was all kinds of weirdness going on out there today. And uh, this is one of those things. I mean, you could sit there and we could be negative about things. But it was. It was extraordinarily different for both sides. We did win the game. I don't want to overlook that. Did you get the sense that Riz was due for one in a moment like that? Yeah, he... Um, He's, he's overall he's been doing pretty well, just keeping his numbers afloat and actually improving lately. But he hasn't been in the stands yet, and that was really well timed. Um, their pitcher was good, our guy was good. Their bullpen pitching was pretty solid. But I mean, with the wind blowing out under those conditions today, to to uh, hold both teams to that number of runs, I think the pitching on both sides was very good. You alluded to it, the uh, striking out of Machado. I mean, we have a Hall of Famer. 
probably facing in the future of the fame or that moment. Uh, was it was a big moment for both. It was, and it's hard. You just, you just don't walk away from John right there. I know it was once something, but he just threw a 92-mile-hour fastball right before he did strike him out. So when I, I do look at that with John. I look at his velocity, and that tells me what he's got left in the tank, and he did. So I knew he was still fine. Um, Johnny makes pitches. The uh, Their catcher, Mejia, got him early that previous at-bat with the two-out RBI, which, again, that surprises me when that happens to John. Because even, even if there's a lot of traffic, he's able to slow it down with traffic, and then he gets the big punch out. It's not John Lester. Do you think about walking with Chowder? It depend. It depended on who the pitcher was and what he had. I mean, Johnny's had the right mix versus him. And, and the guy on deck is no... Uh, pushover by any means. Um, I've seen Machado in the past. Uh, we have an idea of what we want to do. So if the guy didn't have this particular skill set, then you probably would move it along. Six and one since the break. I mean, do you quantify that in any way? Or? I take it. Um, just pretty happy about it. Uh, and again, um, we played relatively well against the um, Pirates after that first game. And then this last series, uh, you know, we. We did okay. We did better, and today was just a tough all-around game. I still, I'm saying, there's another level of us that I want to see. Um, we we got to hit lefties, man. We just we got to figure that part of it out. Um, that's a big part uh, moving down the road, and we have guys in our lineup that historically have done that and aren't doing it right now. So, those are the kind of things that we have to get better with, and um, and with the defense. I mean, like today, I'm I'm just really not going to overevaluate anything. Yeah, very good. Uh, yes, um, did a nice job with that, and that's Butter too, being alert at third base. Uh, Butter's really good at that. Um, it was necessary. You got to go right there. You got to. Uh, I mean, that's that's a Gold Glove first baseman. You don't necessarily expect that, but then again, you don't expect the shortstop to throw the ball over the. Joe, you've said. talked about Texas. Yes, sir. League. You've talked about Texas League baseball. This wasn't quite that, but. You know, like Chris Bryant made some nice plays in left field. Right on. He had a nice game. And possibly the biggest that bat of today was the walk he drew right before Rizzo hit the home run. Nobody even looks at that, but I wanted him to know that was a tremendous at bat. I think it was 1-2 on that count. Yeah, I know he had uh, a bad count. Gets it back and walks and, and permits the home run to occur. Plus, he really ranged well in left field. Outstanding. He made a good throw also. He did. He had himself a really nice day. That was Joe Madden post game, heard right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Thanks to NBC Sports Chicago as well. You heard Len and JD in the background. Mm. Uh, I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah singing in for Jonathan Hood tonight under the hood till 9 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. You know, Joe Madden said it. You look at the way Lester looked on the mound. In some of those situations towards the end, you'd say, really? You're, you're leaving John Lester out there in the face Machado? Again, after the day Machado was having, but you know, Joe felt that based on the velocity and what John Lester was able to do, it was the right decision. It paid off for the Chicago Cubs today. Listen, now, Rick, the great Rick Sutcliffe was with Waddle and Sylvie yesterday at Chicago Cut. I'm aware, yes. And he told the story. You yeah. you go out there and get John Lester. <laughs> you go out there and you get John Lester. If you want to do it, you go right ahead. But I think Joe knew there's no way that I'm even going to step foot out of this dugout because if I try to take him out of Machado and try to not like it's not a slight on John Lester, right? It's just saying I don't think you're good enough to get this guy out, or I don't think you have the stuff right now to get this guy out. You you go in and you say that to John Lester. 
I've seen John Lester. Lives in my neighborhood. Yeah. He's a big dude. Yes. I've seen him at the Starbucks. He's yeah. a vent. He's a vent. He's a trainta. What's if his order? If you're going, I don't know his order, but if oh. you're going by cup sizes. Extra pumps? Dude's a trainta. Okay. Does he get the drizzle? It's, not, it's bigger than a venti. Extra drizzle? I mean, he might get a little extra drizzle. I don't know. Here's John Lester after the game talking to the media. From your perspective, what was it like pitching this I mean, it was miserable, but we all, you know, we're all out there playing together. So it's not like I'm the only one standing out there. Um, something you can't control and can't worry about. Just try to make pitches. You made a lot of good pitches, but the, the strikeout at the end there to Shadow, is that, uh, I mean, did, did you have a sequence that you wanted to work with with uh, Maldonado on that? Uh, not really. I mean, we had areas we wanted to go to with him. Uh, we thought. After his first at bat, he swung at the first pitch, and his second at bat, we're like, well, maybe we can, you know, go kind of back in. In wasn't really the game plan with him, but we thought we could throw a cutter in there and just maybe get him off down and away. And obviously, that wasn't the case. So, um, you know, kind of went right back to where we wanted to go from the beginning, uh, which was down and away, and got him to swing and miss on a changeup. The game, the essence of those type of matchups there. I mean, that was a important. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Um, you know, get our guys back in the dugout is the main thing. Got you know d- days like today, um, but you know to get a hitter out like that with a uh, guy on second base, you know that's that's obviously a big moment. Just as much as a mental strain out there as it is a physical one in that heat because of concentration and so forth in the takes? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm tired. Um, it was a long day, but. Like I said, I mean, it's it's we're all out there together. You know, the other team has to play it just like we do, and it is what it is. Is this one of those that I don't know how much you get to watch once you came in, but to see kind of the way the game unfolded from afterwards for them to pull this off and kind of the way it happened, does it feel like one you, I don't know, kind of got away with and needed? I don't ever look at it. I mean, win's a win. I don't care how we do it, um, what it looks like. Uh, at the end of the day, a win goes right there in that W column. We all move on to the next one. So, um, like I said, I'll, I'll take them any way we can get them. Kimbrell has been rounding out into his all-star form at this point. How nice of a weapon for all you guys is it to have him now when he finishes games like he did to get today? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously that's what we expect from him. Um, but at the same time, he got here, what, three, four weeks ago? So, uh, it, it was it was going to take him a minute, you know. Uh, he's getting to know us. He didn't get to have the six weeks that we all get to with each other in spring training, and uh, you know. And then obviously the other six weeks we got to play, you know, kind of jumpstart on him. So uh, I don't think anybody was worried about him when he first showed up. We all knew that, you know, his track record speaks for itself. So um, it's a matter of getting his feet wet and getting him out there and getting him feel comfortable. And it looks like he's feeling comfortable. What's it like working with uh, Maldonado? It's your third catcher now that you work with. Is it just part of the process? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's caught a long time. Uh, a lot of great pitchers. Um, it was, I mean, it was easy. I mean, it was It was really easy today. We had the, the mix-up on, on the one curveball that, that got by him there in the fifth, I think. Uh, just trying to keep our signs, you know, moving uh, with, with all the stuff going on nowadays with you know technology and seeing our signs we just wanted to keep a lot of traffic today a lot trying to keep those guys guessing and we got mixed up there and um, but other than that I mean he did great Uh, I felt comfortable with him from pitch one and um, you know I don't expect anything else going forward you've known Rizzo a really long time 
I mean, I think that's the thing that always gets overlooked. You know, people, um, I don't want to say jump to conclusions, but maybe a little bit sometimes when guys struggle. But at the end of the day, it's about showing up and playing. Uh, and I think that's a, an attribute he's had for a long, long time. You know, um, you know he's going to be over there at first base and he's going to play 150 plus games, which, you know, a lot of guys don't do nowadays. So it's, it's definitely something that gets overlooked and something that, uh, you know, not to change back, but something I pride, pride myself in taking, taking the ball every, every five days. And he takes pride in the fact that he shows up and plays every day. Um, and it's, it's, it's good to see, especially a superstar like that. That's John Lester post game from the Cubs game. The Cubs win six to five over the Padres today. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah singing in for Jonathan Hood tonight under the hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So the Cubs win today. They're now six and one since the All Star break. Is this team now showing all of us paying attention to this team and Theo Epstein that this is the team that can actually make a championship run? This is a team that can get to the World Series this season. You know, a lot of the conversation during the All Star break week was, is this team going to show to Theo that they're worthy of a major move at the deadline to then go forward and make a push for the World Series? I think coming out of the break so far to this point, they have. Yeah, and I think uh, Theo said with Waddle and Sylvie when he joined them uh, earlier in the week, he said to them that, look, I'm not. this isn't a win-loss, win-loss type of thing. If they're going to make moves, they want to win. So if they think that there's a move out there to make the team better, they're going to make it. It doesn't matter if they win the series or lose the series against the Padres or against the Giants coming up here when they go on the ro- on the road trip starting next week. If there's a move out there that'll add depth to the team ahead of the deadline, since there is no secondary you know deadline anymore, really, there's not the waiver wire deadline anymore. This is it on on the thirty first that they're going to make a move. Now, I would like to wait and see until the end of the month because I. I hate to agree with Cap, but what? as Cap said... Why, why can't you agree with Cap? Him and I agree. It's fine. Him and I agree. You can be on Cap's side. I am why on Cap's side on this. It's I okay. Want, Come on I over. want to see this team on the road. I want to see this wow. team in San Francisco, at Milwaukee, at St. Louis. Once that series against St. Louis is up on Thursday, August 1st, then I think we'll know if this team has turned a corner. It's a long baseball season. I'm not saying it's early. I'm just saying that this team is very different at home than they are on the road. So I want to see this team go on a road trip, go out west to San Francisco, go to Milwaukee, go to St. Louis. Then they have to go to Cincinnati in the middle of August. They've got four games against Cincinnati who have they've had a problem with before the season, before the All-Star break. They had a problem with them. They, they won this series against them. But I want to see how this team does on the road before I'm ready to say, okay, I think this team can go into L.A. and beat the Dodgers or go into Atlanta and beat the Braves. Like that, that's a, there, There's a big difference between, yes, this team's going to win the division and versus, yes, this team is a contender with the Braves and the Dodgers and the rest of, the, uh, of baseball who will make it into the playoffs. Tomorrow, Jose Quintana on the mound. He's 7-7 seven seven with a 4.21 ERA. As the Cubs take on the Padres at 120 tomorrow at Wrigley Field. Let's switch to this, Abdallah, here on ESPN 1000. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. Let's talk some football. Last season, the Chicago Bears, they led the NFL in turnovers. Mm. And the one thing that I kind of look at is each season, we see teams that lead the league in turnovers. And that's not necessarily a stat that you can say, oh, yeah, that will absolutely happen again next season. Last year... The Bears led the NFL in turnovers, 36 turnovers. The Browns had 31. They were second. And the Rams had 30 in third. So the Bears, by a wide margin, five most turnovers 
in the National Football League on defense. And that led to the great defensive stats that you saw in DVOA and all the other categories that you saw from football outsiders and others on why this Bears defense was so great last season. So I was on DVOA. uh, I was on Football Outsiders' website, Abdallah, Mm. and they were talking about pressure plays on defense. So getting pressure to the quarterback and not getting pressure to the quarterback. And I thought this was interesting. So they, they rate a pressure play as one that includes a sack, a hurry, or a forced scramble. Okay? Forced scramble, sack, or hurry. So for pressure plays last year, the Bears for pressure rate were third in the NFL at 34%. The two teams ahead of them, uh, number one, the Rams at 37%, and the Steelers at 35%. So the Bears' number in DVOA with a pressure was second overall in football. So DVOA is an advanced analytic from football outsiders. It's basically like an efficiency rating Mm -hmm. for football. So they take all the units into consideration, offense, defense, special teams. They take every play, every situation, every down into account when rating DVOA. So it's a a really good metric when you look at uh, NFL football, right? So for pressured defense for the Bears, they were second overall in football. And you'd say, okay, that makes sense. They're really good when they get pressure on the quarterback. Of course, who is That makes a lot of sense, right? That also makes a lot of sense when you correlate that with the fact that that stat, number one in all football with 36 turnovers last year defensively. Mm -hmm. Here is why, if you're a Bears fan, you should kind of feel very good about this idea, about the turnovers maybe being there again this season. Mm, I think I know what you're going to say, Chris. The Bears last season without pressure in DVOA defensively, were third in the NFL. Hmm. So they dropped with pressure. They were second without third. So that's the best in the NFL. The second best team were the Bills, surprisingly. The Bills are actually better on defense when they don't get pressure than when they do. And I thought it was a fascinating thing to look at because if you say the reason all the turnovers happen are because Khalil Mack and others are getting to the quarterback, thus you get the turnovers, you would think that you could do it again. But if you take a look at it and say, oh, wait, even without the pressure... This Bears defense is really good. And I think good news for Bears fans, and I think a lot of Bears fans were upset when Vic Fangio left to take a head coaching job. And one of the biggest um, question marks about this team is how is this defense going to maintain that edge with Chuck Pagano as the new defensive coordinator, right? I know one thing about Chuck Pagano, Chris. I actually know a few things about Chuck Pagano. But the one thing I know that's important for this conversation is that Chuck Pagano likes to bring the heat. Chuck Pagano likes to rush the quarterback. Chuck Pagano is going to be rushing the quarterback. I, I am basically guaranteeing that the that the Bears will be number one in like if there's an attempted QB pressure. I don't know if they're going to get to the quarterback the, the most, but they will bring the heat a lot because that is something that Chuck Pagano has done when he was in Baltimore. That's something that he did with, well, with the Colts. That it's something, something he's, he's always done. done. But based on these stats, it's not something the Bears defense needs to succeed. No, but I think that whenever, anytime you look you look at the Bears' schedule, look at the quarterbacks that they're going to play, Wait. and you're going to need to make those guys uncomfortable. So Football Outsiders, uh, the paragraph that goes along with the Bears says, like the Rams, the Bears bring pressure from a lot of places, not just from their star player in uh, Khalil Mack. Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks, Roy Robertson-Harris all contributed to at least 20 hurry, uh, hurries last season. And Hicks added three forced fumbles. Mack had six of those. And the Bears ended nearly fifth of their uh, opponent's drives with a turnover, the best in football. 
Turnovers are not very consistent year to year, but the Bears bring back the entire band on defense of pass rushers, and it should be a strong defense again in 2019. Now, that's not news here in Chicago that we knew that this defense was altogether coming back, and it's not news that we knew that they would be good again this season. What's news, though, is I don't think everyone kind of understood how good defensively they were when they didn't apply pressure. When they apply pressure, they're absolutely the best. When they don't, they're second best, which Mm -hmm. is still really good. And it it bodes well for a team that had so many turnovers last season. I mean, you look at their schedule, Chris. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got Kirk Cousins. We know that you got to play those guys twice. You know you got to play Matthew Stafford twice. You know you got to. I know he's not elite, but Joe Flacco is still a formidable quarterback. So Philip Rivers, Drew Brees. Coming um, up next, Abdallah, uh, I have pinpointed a five-week p- piece of the season for the Chicago Bears that will be the make-or-break make or time for the Chicago Bears. There is a five-week yep, span I got looking it. ahead at the Bears' schedule where we will find out exactly who this Bears team is I've got based it. on these five weeks. We'll tell you about it coming up next. It's Black and Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. What? <laughs> Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can actually hear Jonathan later tonight with Freddie Coleman right here on ESPN 1000. So when you hear the Freddie Coleman show, Jonathan Hood will be with Freddie Coleman throughout the evening as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. We're here till 9 o'clock. Lots of football to do in the 8 o'clock hour. Connor Rogers and Charles McDaniel, uh, McDonald coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. But Abdallah, you know, when I take a look at this Bears schedule, as we are under a week till training camp when the Bears report next Thursday, the one thing I look at is if you go through their entire schedule, there is a five-week period which I think will be a make-or-break section of the schedule for the Chicago Bears. Now, as the season starts, I think the one thing that's going to happen is that the start of the schedule is actually pretty soft. The Bears are going to jump out and be one of the better teams in the National Football League from the get-go. And I don't think that's very surprising, but when you have teams like the Broncos, you have teams like the, the Redskins, the the Vikings and the Packers on the schedule, you have Raiders. an opportunity to take mm-hmm. destiny and control into your own hands, right? You know, because you look at the quarterbacks that the Bears are going to face outside of Aaron Rodgers, you have some question marks. Joe Flacco, Colt McCoy, slash Case Keenan, slash Dwayne Haskins. Then you have Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, the Raiders game that's in London. And then you have the bye in week six. So like that first part of the schedule The quarterbacks that the defense is going to face off against, the only one that I'm worried about would be Aaron Rodgers in the opener against the Packers. Outside of that, the the other four quarterbacks you will face off in the first six weeks of the season, that's not a problem for the Chicago Bears. And so ideally, the season will set up that, you know, you might escape the London game with a 4-1 record. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're 5-0 coming back off the bye, right? I mean, look, I'm not saying anything can happen in the NFL. Sure. Anything could happen. Here is why I think this is important. Yeah. Here is the five-week period following the bye, which I think it will tell all of us Mm -hmm. who this team really is. Mm -hmm. And that's week seven through 11. And here are the teams and here are the quarterbacks the Bears will face from week seven to 11. In week seven, 
the Saints, and Drew Brees. He had the number one quarterback rating last year in mm-hmm. the NFL. In week eight, they will face off against Philip Rivers, who was fifth in quarterback rating, and he threw 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions last season. In week nine, they will face off against Carson Wentz. He was seventh in quarterback rating, third in completion percentage. In week 10, now Stafford is average at best. I get that. But even average at best, he still went for 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions last season. Right? Like, Stafford's okay. Mm -hmm. Jared Goff in week 11 with the Rams. Fourth in yards per attempt. So even though he is not ideally an elite quarterback, the offense that McVay runs stretches the field. They are dangerous. The Bears stopped them last year. It was a cold game at Soldier Field last season. It might be a little different in Los Angeles, in the Coliseum, for the Rams this season, Jared Goff. So you have Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff. Those are the five quarterbacks. Those are the five games. The season will be determined week 7 through 11 for the Chicago Bears because I think if you get through that, winning the majority of the games, three, out of that part of the schedule, this is going to be one of the better teams in the National Football League. Now, if they stumble, that's where you might see the haters who are out there saying this team's going to take a step back. That's maybe where you see the Trubisky start to, to fail and start to come back to earth. And that maybe is where you start to see people look at the nine win total in Vegas, nine wins for the Chicago Bears, and maybe say, yeah, maybe I'm going to go under with this if they struggle week seven through 11. I went through quickly and looked at the defensive DVOAs for last year at the end of last year, Chris, for these teams. And if you go through it, you've got the Saints finish sixth, the uh, Chargers finish ninth, the Eagles finish 12th. The Lions finished 16th and the Rams finished 15th. So if you look at that and you look at defensive DVOA, because, yeah, we're talking about the quarterbacks and, yeah, we're talking about make make or break for the Bears. But when you look at their defense and how they were the number one defense in the league last year um, and facing these good quarterbacks, yes, it's a test. But I think it's a test that Khalil Mack, that Eddie Jackson, at Jackson, that Roquan Smith, that Danny Trevathan, that those guys will be able to handle. It's the... If you get into a shootout with the Chargers, do you have enough confidence in Mitchell Trubisky to lead the team on a game-winning drive? Are you going to be able to go toe-for-toe with with Drew Brees should you have to go into a shootout with him? Look at the Rams. The Rams at home are really good at home. Are you going to be able to go into uh, L.A. and be able to put up points against a, you know, a middle, it is a middle of the pack defense, but ultimately they're still a good defense. They added things to that defense as well. So are you going to be able to go toe for toe with these defenses that are good? So ultimately, yeah, it's on the defense to stop those teams, but Mitch Trubisky and the offense are going to have to, especially after the bye week. Like, let's say you've got some things you're working out in those first five weeks by the bye week. Those things should be solved. You should be working through the bye week like we all know that they do, and then you should be able to, to write some of those things. I mean, look at those. The, like the, of the games you mentioned, three out of those five are at home. You should be able to take care of this. I know it's not going to be bear weather or whatever, but you've got the Saints coming to town. You've got the Chargers coming to town. What was that voice that you did there? bear weather. Okay. It's a, it's a cold Chicagoan was that voice. Uh, okay. All right. It's a cold Chicagoan. Not going to fight you on that one. Go bear ahead. weather. Yeah. Uh, Go back and, to but you've doing. got three out of those five games <laughs> are at home. You should be able to at least, I think that they should be, should they have the, the first five games that we expect, whether they go four and one or five and oh, they should be favored in those games. At least they'll definitely be favored in the Detroit game. 
but against the Saints, against the Chargers, that's, those are kind of measuring stick games. I know you're not a complete team until the end of the season, and those bigger tests might be at Green Bay at the end of the season, you know, the th- uh, third to last week of the season, against Kansas City at home, uh, and then at Minnesota, the very last game of the season. To me, I'm not saying those are bigger tests, but that's when you look at this team as to what we want them to be, which is a playoff team and a Super Bowl caliber type team, those last weeks of the season when health is an issue, when fatigue is an issue, when bumps and bruises become a little more than they were weeks one through four, you know, after the bye, everybody's kind of has a week off to get a little healthy. Those are the games to me that are how they're going to perform because I've got different expectations, you know? It's kind of like how we were talking about the Cubs uh, last segment. I've got different expectations for this team. I don't have just playoff aspirations. I've got Super Bowl aspirations for this team. So, yeah, beating the the Saints and beating the Chargers and beating the the Eagles and beating the Rams, that's all cool and everything. But when you get to the playoffs, I don't want to see the defense disappear and the offense not show up till the last quarter of the game. That's what I don't want to see. And to me, those tests come at the end of the season. And it's it's interesting that this London trip takes place early and the Bears have their bye in week six. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that tough part of the schedule, week seven through 11, you have to then come back in week 12 against the Giants. They're terrible. I understand that. And then the Lions in week 13. And then you get ready for the end of the schedule. The Cowboys, the Packers, the Chiefs, and then the Vikings. That's a rough month to end your schedule because not only do you get the two divisional teams, you get two teams that have good quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, 10th in completion percentage last season. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of the league, 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Mm -hmm. So you look at what they have in that that five-week period after the bye, Mm -hmm. 7 through 11. That's going to make this Bears season. We can can talk about Trubisky's development. We can talk about the turnovers for the defense. We can talk about the kicker situation. We will know exactly who this Bears team is after week 11. Because if they get through that five-week period of October in the first two weeks of November, and they're looking good, we're going to know, sitting towards as we head towards Thanksgiving, that this is a team that's going to win a Super Bowl or we we had too much hype in the offseason and this team's going to let us down. Yeah, that short week against the Lions, obviously we saw what they did against the Lions last year when they had those three games in, what was it, 15 days or something like that? I think it yeah. was three and 15 games. Or three day, games in 15 days, excuse me. And they were able to to capitalize on those games. But, you know, everyone's got to stay healthy. Everyone's got to uh, maintain an elite level. You've got a lot of things that need to... The ball literally needs to bounce their way the way it did last year. Like, the ball literally bounced their way on a few of those turnovers, and that needs to happen. And I think... I agree with you that that's... We'll know whether they're a good football team by the end of that stretch, but those bigger tests... Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota at the end of the season. To me, that's... I mean, you get the Cowboys at home. We know the Cowboys don't like playing here in Chicago. So you've got the Cowboys here, but then you get at Green Bay against Kansas City, Mahomes against Trubisky, the truthers against the haters. And then uh, and then you have to go to Minnesota to end the season. And that could be that could be a game that's for yeah, a wild card spot or for the division. Yes. Like that could be a huge game. You can tweet us on Twitter at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. Uh Tater's gonna Tate tweets us Taters listening to you guys with the Sox game on mute. How about a shout-out? Shout-out to Taters Gonna Take. Taters Gonna Take. Uh, Kevin tweets us, he's more concerned about the defense and Trubisky and what he will face than the quarterbacks and the defense, what they will face. Well said, Abdallah, Chris Buck, take that. Listen, I don't know... um, 
I don't know how much of this was the Bears being ahead in games and taking, you know, kind of easing off the, the, the gas pedal, if you will, but they were the uh, worst fourth quarter defense in the league last year. This hour is brought to you by Enzo Custom. Experience true custom and get the suit you really want. Go to enzocustom.com, schedule an appointment, and get $50 off by telling them Waddle sent you. Uh, Mark tweets us, listening to you jerks, you better pack a lunch. What does that even mean? Oh, it's cat. Pack a lunch. Pack a lunch. Pack what a does lunch. that mean? You're going to regret everything. Pack a lunch. Uh, I have an interesting note on the Chicago Bulls. When free agents are out there once again in the future, will the Bulls be ready? Are they set up as a franchise to go after a free agent? Something new that I think you'll want to hear if you're a Bulls fan. Coming up next, Black and Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. You're listening to my man's and them, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Blackenham of Dallas singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Chris Black at Adam A. Abdallah. Abdallah, uh, we will get to football coming up at the 8 o'clock hour. 8 o'clock, we will have the summer of football. Two mm. great football guests, Connor Rogers and Charles McDonald. Uh, they will join us for some great football conversation in the 8 o'clock hour. Now, I have a thought on the Chicago Bulls. You always do. I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast with Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe, Zach Lowe from ESPN the other day, Mm -hmm. and they started talking about free agency and the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets and the Nets landing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. And the conversation was about the Nets. And as I heard this and as you listen to it, just think about the Chicago Bulls and the way the Bulls are set up for the future. Here's Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe. I think the Nets really put a lot of time, thought, and energy into what those guys cared about that wasn't basketball. And that goes back to the Alibaba stuff and the ability to mobilize a gigantic 50 million fan Chinese audience behind a Nets team and putting those guys in business contacts and all the stuff that isn't basketball that, by the way, James Dolan would never, ever consider even thinking that way. He's not looking at those guys and thinking, here are all the ways me, James Dolan, is, is going to help you, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, in ways beyond basketball. He doesn't think that way. His attitude is, we're the Knicks. I have MSG. Uh, we have a lot of fans. You should play here. We won a playoff series with Carmelo one time. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> then Roy Hibbert destroyed our whole franchise, apparently. So I, I think when... I think the Nets, the the most impressive thing they were able to do was how they are able to now play this new game that we're in, where all of these guys want to be more than a basketball player. And the Nets realized that the Knicks didn't. So that's Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe from the Bill Simmons podcast. As I listened to that as a Bulls fan and Mm -hmm. someone that lives in this city, I kept thinking to myself, man, are the Bulls set up to be successful the next time free agents are available? Like, Do they understand what the top-level free agents even want? Clearly, between the Knicks and the Nets, the Knicks did not. The Nets did know how to appeal to the big-name free agent who has the money, who has the fame, but wants so much more. I know what John Paxson is and what he is not. He is the president of basketball operations. He's not a salesman. I'm not a salesman. I'm not going to get out there and try to convince you of something. 
So I know that those guys are not set up to attract free agents that are uh, concerned more about ba- more about what they want to do outside of basketball and also consider themselves basketball players. They want the guys that are gritty, that are in the gym before everybody gets in there, and they're in the gym after everybody leaves, and they bring a lunch pail to work. Well, it's funny. Uh, Simmons and Lowe joked that James Dolan was like, yeah, well, we're, we've got a, a big arena with people that come. Yeah, the Bulls have that. The Bulls uh, have, uh, uh, the Bulls have yeah. cuppy coffee, and they've got the dancing grannies, and they've mm-hmm. got Benny the Bull, but mm-hmm. are they mm-hmm. really getting NBA players to this next level of fame that guys like Durant and Kyrie are looking for and that others in the future will be looking for? It's a, it's a question you got to ask yourself. Blocking up, Dahl, we're coming back with the summer of football right here on ESPN 1000. Oh, what?